Hello and welcome back to The Dive presented by Honda Season 5, Episode 1, baby. And hey. we're going to title this one, Better Late Than Never. <laughs> because uh, we we did have some, uh, you know, technical issues uh, setting oh, up. We had uh, technical issues. <laughs> some of us had recording. technical issues. Some of us, it was very smooth for, and, and, you know, we didn't even notice there was anything going on. Oh, we wow. got new recorded kits uh, <laughs> for all the remote uh, broadcasting for for this split though, and uh, and, and and setting them up and everything. Um, honestly, though, um, how has the season eleven been? I've actually been been grinding again. Um, you know, after after taking the WoW break, um, I had to get rid of my WoW hands and jump right back into uh, rank season. And I've been immediately pulled back in because the beginning of season is the most fun because you win a disproportionate amount of games. Uh, you know, later on in the year when you're at like 51, 52% win rate or whatever, half the time you're pissed off. Right now, I'm just like, oh my God, the wins just keep coming. I'm so happy. <laughs> League is so fun. Why would I ever stop playing? That's because uh, you're a jungler. You're OP right now. Uh-huh, true, true, true. The junglers are slamming everybody, I feel like, both in competitive and in solo queue. It feels like jungle is just dominating with the new changes. Uh, I, I, I feel like not having to go towards these kind of more like eco builds with the jungle item and everything has changed oh, yeah. things a lot. Um, you know, people are complaining about Graves 24 seven, like Graves has all these different builds that he can go, you know, you can do like the full on like life drain tank with, you know, bloodthirster and shield bow. You can do, you know, more aggressive stuff with like eclipse. You can go for, uh, all kinds. You can go for the mobility one, you know, um, you can go like all kinds of different builds and, and just dominate. So, uh, it, it's pretty interesting to see you know, all of these, these different things that are kind of popping up. And I think jungle is a lot more interesting because of it, because it's, it's kind of like what they did to support last year where you're, you no longer were locked into building like face of the mountain or whatever first, right. You can just build an item and now junglers can do that too. So you can have graves running around, you know, with all these different builds instead of kind of being like locked into going warrior first every game. Yeah. Uh, I think the itemization is really exciting. I, as soon as like they had two different dot items with, Demonic Embrace and Leandre's Anguish. I was like, I'm playing drain builds and I just try to find all the dot <laughs> things I could do. I'm also not a mid laner, so that went pretty terribly. Um, mm. It was also funny when Kobe's talking about like his elitist point of view on placement games. He's like, I just get to win all this time in a row. I actually always, <laughs> I always waited for placements because, you know, like, I wanted all you people out of my games. All, all the challengers who are going to like randomly show up and smurf on their way up to the top. I'm like, I'm going to wait. I'm going to give it a week or two. For all but those people to rise theoretically, to the top. Theoretically, everybody should win a disproportionate more amount of games at the beginning because you were rated though, here right? and you get reset. But you're at least your MMR, some amount. Your MMR you're, is still the same. Like, like the, your the MMR changes players, too. It, it, it doesn't change all the way back, but it does go it's back It's a soft some. reset. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a soft it, reset. Yeah. It's, it, mm-hmm. there's, that, there's, definitely, there's definitely reset. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. I guess it, it just feels <laughs> like you, you get everyone gets bumped down to the same level, right? Because it's like you watch Doublelift playing in Diamond, but he's not playing at Diamond players. It, he's playing against Challenger players who are also in Diamond, right? Exactly. I'm like, I don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> You, you, you get squished down, and that's why you see also there's always all these tweets and, uh, you know, challenger players complaining about the beginning of season, like, oh, these diamond players think they're hot shit getting early season. Yeah, because they know, spam high, up there. Yeah. High rated, and they're just like, get these trash out of my out of my games, and, and all the diamond players are like, woo, oh, I made it. 
I mean, I, I think if you make it, you deserve it. I think it's it's cool yeah. whether it's a late season, early season, you know, whether it means as much, who cares, right? It, it's still cool if, if you can get up there and achieve that, like whether it's early season or late season. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, MMR is obviously more wonky until people have played more games. Um, but I do think that a, a lot of the changes are pretty exciting. I think that there's a lot of fun builds. Um, you know, I've started playing a little bit of Rel. I'm trying to learn some Rel. I played a game with uh, Flowers the other day. I think Ooh. that is a really, really fun champion. Seems like there's a lot of cool combos that you can do. Um, and it does, it does feel like there is more flexibility in builds, I think, with Mythic items than there was previous. Like, a lot of champions, you don't have to build a Mythic item first. Um, sometimes, even if you are going Mythic item, you know, it does feel like there's actually, you know, different situations in which you would want different ones. Um, so, I, I do feel like there is a bit more diversity, but I don't know if that's just because it's early everything hasn't been as hammered out yet. Um, and people haven't hit, like, the, op no, it's actually, this is always optimal. Um, but I'd like to think that, you know, it's still going to be, you know, situational. Um, because I think those are, those are the most fun uh, types of, uh, of builds for me is when you can do it based on the game and feel more rewarded. Uh, whether you need more engage for a chem tank, you know, or you need more defensive uh, stuff and you get locket or you go sunfire because you want pure tank or whatever. I'm hoping it's kind of like keystones. You know, like, there's generally... The, the rune that you're going to take in 90 percent of 85 70 whatever it is percent of situations but then you have the variation uh ones to that you can opt for i assume that's how it'll be uh if i was going to compare it, it to anything which yeah. i don't know if that's exactly the amount of diversity they wanted i mm -hmm. i mean you all you always want want as as much as possible and theoretically you want you know to be able to choose between all these different situations and counters and um, you know, have counter moves and all that type of stuff. But the more that people play it, it always does, um, you know, get get whittled down a bit. So I'd mm -hmm. say it's it's one of those things where it is a gray area, a little bit of both. But I have so much fun at the beginning because more people are making suboptimal and wrong decisions and so you get to see yeah you get to see you know more more variety but you also get to take advantage of of more different situations and uh it's uh it's just so fun at the beginning um unfortunately for me the three champions that i have been spamming are all on the list for the nerfs for next patch um oh wonder why but uh i was maybe like olaf with gore drinker um elise uh if i need ap and then after watching lpl opening day i start i jumped on that pantheon gore drinker train as well mm, that that is uh that's some super fun <laughs> well, stuff. so you're not a graves abuser i was gonna say like yeah so kind of the kind of mobility I, build with Gale you know Force. why because graves is, like, is banned like 80 90 percent of my games yeah, like when I, the our stats team actually, you know, had had a little spreadsheet of, of like the most commonly built mythic items, um, uh -huh. and in competitive so far, it was like you know early on LPL and LCK, Gale Force had been yeah. built fifty times. Uh, the next most common was Ludens thirty nine. You know, because all the mid laners are going for wave clear and competitive, that yeah. kind of makes sense. Uh, and then surprise, surprise, Gore Drinker, and then from there it drops <laughs> off very, very heavily. Um, but you know, Gale Force just seems to be like originally I, I was kind of thinking like this is this is an item that is going to be hard to use you know use effectively because at least in the like preseason video when they're when they're hyping it up they're like use it to dodge skill shots and stuff mm -hmm. and I'm like pro play you know <laughs> like dodge yeah. the blitz crane cook that sounds good but i feel like for the most part a lot of people are, are now just using it because the, the damage is so high yeah. right so people are just buying it on ad's and just like gale forcing in and, and killing you off when you're trying to kite away um, I, I think it's cool it, it's so strong I think, I just it's think it's cool. too strong right now. 
Yeah, yeah, it's definitely too strong. But the idea of having 80 carries with a an item to go in to kill, um, mm-hmm. like put themselves in a more din- dangerous scenario in order to execute, in order to pull off these cool plays. Um, I, I think that idea is cool. And that's why we're seeing so much uh, Kaisa and, you know, Kaisa Gale Force, mm-hmm. because Kaisa already had her ultimate is killer instinct, you know, going in to kill people off. Gale Force is a, you know, perfect uh, thing to combine with that. Uh, that being said, it's it's way too powerful right now. You know, <laughs> your AD carry popping people like that is definitely a, a little out of line. But it's getting a thirty second nerf on the on the cooldown for yeah, the that's active. Pretty big. Uh, so so that's definitely big on next patch. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. But I, I've definitely been having a lot of fun. Uh, been getting uh, a lot more back in, into league myself. Maybe we'll have to get some uh, some flex to going or something, Kobe. Uh, but yeah. we do have um, the lock in tournament coming up here. Uh, this is going to be incredibly exciting. I'm actually super, super excited for the start of the season for the lock-in tournament. I think it's going to be a pretty cool way to kick things off um, and to kind of get, you know, some some baseline expectations for how good these teams are going to be. You know, we do have to mention we're going to do our power rankings for these teams, but we are going to be power ranking for the end of spring split because there are, you know, sub situations that are happening. Some people don't have their visas. There's going to be, you know, differences. So these aren't going to be power rankings necessarily for the lock-in term, but more where we see teams kind of ending up um, by the end of the split. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was at least four separate teams have uh, one or more of their LCS starters uh, with with visa issues, so they're going to have subs. Uh, so what, we can have little caveats as we're as we're going through it. But like Isaac's talking about, that's why we're trying to make this list to project towards the end of spring, um, which is definitely going to going to change uh, some of the rankings because that that factor is in as far as like early season or even spring versus summer. I would rank some of these teams differently with the rosters they picked up. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting year to do power rankings because like the tor- locking tournament doesn't actually play into spring season's start. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you don't know how much to lean into that. And then summer will have, you know, the, the records from before. So like when we do power rankings, then are we just going to like wipe our mind or, you know, I don't know, that's a question for another time, I guess. So, yeah, that's true. You'd have to you'd have to think about you know. Do you want to do second half record or like just standings at the end of second like half? You know, or like pure power rankings, not taking record at all. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I almost feel like then it would be better to just do like your power rankings for the end of playoffs. Like who you think yeah. is going to win instead of regular yeah. season, right? Oh, for that's summer. a good idea. I, yeah. Uh, so that's probably what we'll do. But we'll think about that more later on. Um, but you know, do we want to get uh, into our into our power rankings here? Do we want to start with the aggregate list, or do we want to start with uh, where you guys want to start, top or bottom? Yeah, um, uh, I want to start at the top uh, okay. because I, I think that for me was the most exciting part of yeah. of off season was was the top end where we're getting all these early reports trickling in. Oh, million dollars here. Oh, two million dollars here. Five million dollar buyouts going here, and like so, I really loved all the excitement coming in with uh, some of the teams at the very top spending really big to try and win it all. Um, and uh, surprise, surprise, the teams that spent, you know, $5 million on buyouts are probably going to be near the top of the list <laughs> uh, for, but, the, for the players that they got. But I have to say, I'm actually more excited for the bottom teams relative to the bottom teams in previous years because when people built rosters okay. always, they would just... I'm not saying compared to the top teams. I'm way yeah, more yeah, excited. You, you, added, you got me with the twist at the end there. I was like, yeah, oh, no, no, no. okay. Because in previous years, the bottom teams were still often like mostly veteran players who just mm. have no possibility of competing with the top. 
now a lot of teams, I would say 40%, four of the 10 teams have gone for a developmental oriented approach, uh, which means like when you're watching these bottom teams play, you're actually watching for more than if they win the game, you're watching like, how's this player doing and, and this kind of stuff. So I'm also like, the league has been more stratified, but in a way that I actually like in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I do think I it's interesting there. You know, I'm I'm much more excited, as you say, to to watch a team of rookies and see. Okay, are any of these rookies going to be a, like a future star in the league? Is are any of these rookies going to be someone that these teams want to build around? You know, in a year or two years when they're trying to make their push for a championship or when they're trying to do that, it's, it feels like a true rebuilding phase uh, for some of these teams instead of just the like. What's the least bad team we could sign? You know, <laughs> like, so, let's not get relegated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm pretty excited for that. But uh, without further ado, top of the list here for the aggregate list uh, is C9. I think I was the only person who didn't put C9 at number one. I had, I had TL, <laughs> uh, which I gotta say I was a little bit surprised about. Um, you know, in Cloud9 though, we we can start there uh, if you guys want to kind of sing their praises. I mean, it has to start with perks, right? I mean, this is like the biggest roster offseason acquisition ever for North America. I think, you know, like you maybe CLG double lift to, to TSM situation was like more hype. But I think in terms of just quality of player, this is probably the best player to ever come to North America uh, from, from offseason pickup. You have to be Ooh. so careful with the wording because be. Core JJ exists. Sodar, Core okay. JJ, etc. You have to be careful. You do. Yeah, keep, but, continue, continue, but it's, sir. But it's, it's an argument to have, at least. You know, like, this yes. is potentially that. And in, at least in terms of Western player, it's it's easy. Um, you know, mm -hmm. like, he he is all-time top two Western players. Him and Caps are battling it out still in their careers. But, like, this, the, the impact he has can't be understated. It's not just on the rift. It's his versatility of play style. He's played different roles at the highest level. Uh, mm -hmm. He's also, as far as we know, like an incredible leader and personality behind the scenes, a super grind lord who's like going to help keep everyone on top of their game. Like His impact, I don't think, will be understated. And that's just like before, like, hey, the social media hype and like his personality, which is also fantastic. I mean, he, he was yeah. basically the face of the LEC, right? You know, yeah. so I, I think in terms of, of like impact or, or splash or hype around it, um, I do think it, it's probably the, the biggest transfer ever. Um, you know, Core JJ, if you want to argue like player skill, he won a world championship, perks didn't, whatever, that, that's a different story. But as far as just like pure excitement and hype or, and, and kind of uh, how crazy a transfer was, I do think that this one takes the cake. Um, and, and it was such a step away from what Cloud9 has done in the past where they have focused, you know, very much more on, on finding like high value contracts. Um, they have not been known as the big spenders in the league. And it does feel like that is now going to be a big change for them, right? You know, they are dropping a huge amount of money to get perks. Uh, they have, you know, sold off some of their players over the last couple of years. They got rid of Licorice. They sold off some of their uh, academy players as well. And they have obviously been doing that for a while um, and maybe trying to like, I don't know, save up or build towards a huge move like this, but it feels like this is their big move. Um, Perks obviously, you know, is the big highlight player, but you know, Blabber was incredible in the LCS in spring. Cloud9 obviously fell off in summer. So I think, you know, some people have, have a bit of a, a sour taste in their mouth because of how, how things ended for them. But their bot lane was dominating through most of the year in the LCS. You know, Vulcan and Zven obviously were incredible. Blabber was an MVP. Um, you know, the big question mark for me is just how good is Fudge going to be? Uh, you know, I, I have... Uh, 
been hearing some some kind of like conflicting reports, but you never really know because Fudge Fudge is pretty outspoken, saying something like basically that the LCS players are brainless. Like, of course, he's going to do well. Um, so I, I mean, I, I, that I like that. I like wrong. that. Yo, Fudge yeah. and Perks are both coming in just guns blazing. Perks is like, I'm not going to die. Have very the whole different tournament. resumes, though, Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes more sense for Perks to do it than. than it doesn't mean I like it any less. You know, okay. I, I want people to come in with fire because either way you know i i'm not attached to the team so it, it, <sighs> i like to see you know the explosions whether it works out whether it backfires on him and blows up in his face it's gonna be entertaining for everybody mm-hmm. um and i like that you know that is it's kind of defining cloud nine and, and their attitude and how they're gonna they approach this game they are coming in like we are going to try and dominate again like we did in spring. Like, they, they just want to roll this whole league, and they're coming in with that attitude, even, even with all these new players that, that they've changed, uh, you know, on the squad with Budge, with uh, Perks. They're jumping right in and being like, you know what? We weren't a part of that summer stuff. I don't know what, ha- what happened with them, but we're here to fix it, and we're going to wreck everybody. Um, and uh, I have been hearing uh, similar conflicting reports on Fudge mm-hmm. where – Several um, teams that have Scrim versus Cloud9 um, uh, unprompted said that Fudge, Fudge is overrated. Um, and that, that can mean different things com- uh, you know, compared to where, where you have the benchmark at of what yeah. you think people have him rated as. Um, but one of, the, one of those teams also thought the same one that said that Fudge was overrated still thought Cloud9 was, was the best team. And so, uh, and so that was really interesting to me because, again, coming down to these power rankings um, and why I put Cloud9 first, um, this, this is the spring power ranking. So, um, you know, some of the teams that you think are going to take a little bit longer to work, you might have higher for, for summer or for, mm-hmm. uh, for a later split. Uh, but Cloud9, them having every single player here, Perks got here, um, you know, and started streaming, started scrimming immediately with the team starting to work on it now and then going through the whole lock-in tournament with their entire roster um, actually I think will give them uh, a pretty good edge going into spring split like um, I, I think that's a, a significant like real advantage and what we're discussing right now is basically as a guys team liquid uh, first we me and Mark have cloud nine first but then we also have team liquid second it's not like a yeah. you know a huge difference uh, but I think huge that difference. is one of the Enormous. yeah I think that is Massive. one of the things where team liquid they just got off Arian. Uh they showed a tweet mm-hmm. uh, like yesterday or something where he just got it so he's got what two days of or a day and a half of uh, of possible you know actual script practice here mm-hmm. with the team and then Santorin released his video he still has his BG issues he's not here at all um, so I think that is going to to hurt Team Liquid a bit in those uh, power rankings. Santorin did tweet an hour ago from when we're oh. recording that my visa finally arrived. So I don't know. But if I think I think it's one. probably too late for for week one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think there's a certain date by which you have to have it to be eligible for the for the opening games. Is my I think there was a, there was a lock where at least the beginning of the tournament he yeah. literally can't play. Yeah. Um. Maybe it turns out that he can get in for for the later stages, but then mm-hmm. you know he won't have had actual practice. Uh, you know, scrims with team and stuff like that. Regardless, um, these this class of Team Liquid Cloud Nine is going to be um, epic every single time that we have it throughout the entire year because both of these teams spending big. Like Team Liquid's trying to perfect their 
strategy of just like paying big for best best <laughs> player. Perfect for strategy of spending the most money. <laughs> yeah, they're like, ah, how can we? How can we spend more money? If, if they lose to perks, they're gonna walk away from the season. Like, you know where we messed up? Not getting perks in the offseason. <laughs> they can buy perks from Cloud9 and put them as their AD because yeah, uh, tactical's probably yeah, the only Yeah, what cheap was it? Contract. It was like 4.2 million for Jensen. Uh, and then, you know, just perks' buyout or something was rumored to be almost five. So even the buyout is yeah, more than you go. You know, several you years of the salary. <laughs> um, but it, it's going to be really interesting to me. Like both these teams are, are, are going to be incredible. Um, I'm really excited for them, you know, not only in LCS, but also, you know, looking forward internationally. Um, I do think that both these teams have aspirations of that. For me, uh, the the only kind of like slight questions I had were more about Cloud9. You know, how is Blabber and Perks going to work together? I think that's going to dictate a lot of yeah. their success. And then also, how is Fudge going to stand up to the best top laners in the LCS? Um, I think that is going to be, you know, the two major questions for me. I have complete confidence that Perks is going to dominate mid. That he's going to be really good individually. You know, will he have synergy with Blabber? I think the bot lane is going to be incredible. Um, so I, I think this team is going to be amazing and, and potentially could be the, the champion team. Uh, for me, why I put TL number one over them was it just felt like more known quantities. Uh, there are still, you know, some questions about obviously like how are people going to work together? You're bringing in Santorin, um, but it didn't feel like uh, there was any question mark as, as large for TL as there is for uh, for Fudge on Cloud9. Obviously, I think Fudge is going to be good. I don't think he's going to be bad by any means, but. TL are attempting to essentially get the best player in every single role, right? Like they're just like building this, this incredible team. Um, and, you know, they were so good, obviously, last year. Now they have Alfari, who was, you know, the, the best top laner in the LEC, at least in the regular season. Obviously, you have to talk about Wonder if you want to talk about like total skill level or whatever. Um, but Alfari was an absolute monster. Santorum was one of the best, if not the best jungler throughout all of LCS last year. They got him in there, too. They still have Core JJ, who, um, you know, works very well with Tactical. And, and Kevin Flowers has been really vocal about like how much Core JJ was dominating all the in-houses to the point yeah. where they have this ELO bot that's tracking trying to match so, make and and they couldn't match Core JJ because <laughs> so the guy who made the bot said straight up said like he he watched that clip the of, of Flower saying that and he was like that's it's not true the bot is oh. fine matching <laughs> Core JJ is the top and he is the, the top okay. by a significant amount but the the thing about the bot not being able to match well, it was a good games, story anyway he said <laughs> never yeah. let the truth get in the way of a good story yeah exactly <laughs> and uh, and Jensen I think is obviously one of the best mid laners in the league I think for Jensen um, it'll be interesting to see how he matches up against perks and and for him i also think it's going to be a little bit frustrating because it's always like he was always a bit of, of second fiddle to, to bjergsen right and and <laughs> yeah. now bjergsen retires and it's like finally <laughs> it's my time to shine uh -uh. and then cloud nine signs perks and everyone's <laughs> immediately like, like jensen you're the second best again so um it, it'll be interesting to see how that matchup goes uh jensen obviously wants to be remembered as one of the greats wants to be one of the best and and now he is going to have you know true internationally dominant player in perks uh, to compete against here. So uh, I'm going to be excited to see how they match up. But yeah, I think both these teams are, are absolutely uh, incredible rosters. I, I totally agree about TL uh, having more known quantities. Like you said, like all these players mm -hmm. have competed at the top of their positions domestically and oftentimes internationally as well. They've had all had pretty good performances. Even tactical deserves to get in that category. I know he's a lot younger than the other people on the team and has a lot the less world shown. Is great. But his worlds was great. His playoffs, his first uh, you know, dedicated playoffs was all really good. I think he's he's proven enough at this point to be able to say, like, yeah, he's he's known quantity. He might not be at his peak yet. He might still be able to improve, or maybe he, he relapses a little bit. Uh, but it's not like this is a totally unknown guy. Where I had C9 a little bit higher was like TL, I think, is gonna also work easier together, but like 
they still have what I'm worried about being a little bit of a less explosive play style. Um, you know, I can see Santorin and Jensen working well together where Jensen wants to play lane aggressively, but like wants to focus on his lane and, and Santorin's great about setting up his laners for success. Mm. Uh, but like, you know, if things are going well, I just see the perks blabber lineup, which is a, a bigger question mark. But if it works, I see it being a much more explosive play style and getting all over the map. Um, and, and I think we've seen higher peaks from uh, some of the C9 players as well. Uh, that makes me more excited for that roster if, if things mm-hmm. do work out. But I think the, the, the floor for TL is way higher. But I, I have a little bit more faith in C9 ceiling. Yeah. And like I was going to talk about play styles as well because. Even with, with with Team Liquid, like they're bringing in Alfari. Alfari is is much more versatile than Impact. Um, really, really good on the carries, and so mm. you can definitely make the argument, especially with Santorin doing doing so many like creative level two ganks, invades, and stuff with FlyQuest. You could be like, look, they're bringing in you know proven more aggressive looks with the with the two changes that they're doing. Even with that, last year, like at the beginning, Team Liquid was like, all right. We learned a lot from you know from uh, from the previous year from worlds and stuff. We're gonna look to be more aggressive, and then like for most of the year that we were like, wait, what? What? <laughs> like question marks? Even at worlds, at the beginning of worlds, we we're like, wait, what? And then at the at the end, when when they're about to get eliminated, they're like, all we right, now we have nothing <laughs> left to lose. We decided. We're in there, and we see these invades, and they're getting Broxa all these early leads, and Broxa's like, you know, going buff to buff invades, and, and they're backing them up, and, and we're like, oh my god. <laughs> it, it took a like, well, yeah. it took a long time. Uh, it's what looking happened? great, but uh, you know, where's the consistent like returning to that strategy? Or it just seems like there's always something that that pulls Team Liquid uh, towards some uh, you know slower pace mentality. I guess. I mean, I think a lot of those expectations of that aggressive early game was also around Broxa, right? When we talk back to the beginning of last year, it was like, oh my God, they got Broxa and they're going to play this aggressive mid-jungle style. And that never came to fruition. You know, even at Worlds, that never came to fruition by the end. You know, them tag teaming to constantly invade and do all these things. Uh, Jensen and Broxa never really had that kind of a game plan. So it, it will be interesting. I, I do I do agree that like Blabber and Perks obviously has the potential to be much more explosive, to be, you know, much more that style of like, you know, when Cloud9 was playing at their best and Blabber and Nisky were running all over the map, you you think, okay, well, Perks, Perks and Blabber could be that. But also Perks would be a stronger laner, right? You know, Perks is, is Niski at a higher level. Um, and if, if you're just dominating lane and then also able to move around the map and, and dominate there, like with or without your jungler, uh, then that has the potential to be incredibly, incredibly frightening. But I have a lot of respect for Alfari, and I think that Alfari is kind of getting overlooked a bit just yeah. because we've had these bigger name signings, because Perks joined the league, because Sword Art joined the league. Not a lot of people are talking about Alfari as this big ticket signing. But this guy was incredible. He's also overlooked because he's on the worst team in the LEC. Um, but and he still actually smashed. <laughs> yeah, like he, he he was he was smashing right. So I, I really feel like that is the potential to, to be someone who can truly dominate in this league. Um, and I think that is 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 exciting, right? Like to me, uh, potentially there's a bigger match mismatch in the top lane, you know, between Alfari and, and Fudge than anywhere mm-hmm. else on the map. Right. And, and if that becomes the case, then sometimes, you know, what, what else is happening elsewhere doesn't matter as much because you can get prio through your top lane and then your jungle has advantage and so on and so forth. But this is going to be so interesting. And, and, and I hope that TL can play an aggressive style and not just sit back. 
um, you know, because Core JJ, and we know he can be proactive. They want to have proactivity some some places on the map because when you think of what Santorin and Jensen are going to do, it's probably different than what you know Perks and Blabber would do. I, I'm expecting more of the Santorin Poe style, where they talked about in interviews that they pick for scaling and they feel that they're winning if they're going 50-50. You know, if they're if they're even on farm, that is more what I am expecting from TL Mid and Jungle because that is what I've seen from those guys over the last couple of years. Doesn't mean that Santorin can't gank early or make things happen. Um, but I just don't expect for them to go for this really explosive, aggressive style. Yeah. I, I just want to double down on, on the earlier point you're making about these being really big pickups. Mm-hmm. Because when I was talking in the beginning about like teams at the top making lots of big moves, everyone focuses on like the, the money tag on perks, mm-hmm. right? But this, these are such good changes, such big pickups for Team Liquid. Um, I really think, and again, this is super early, um, but uh, my NA is getting to me and I'm already juiced for international victories. (laughs) International victories are are coming our way. Like I actually feel like, and we're talking about like, you know, perfecting, perfecting the squad. I really do feel like our, our top end teams, all all of them making really big moves um, makes me super excited. And so, you know, that's why everyone's, obviously everyone is going to be following the, the clash between these teams at the top for the entire season. I can see on Mark's face that he's willing to give his personal guarantee right now that NA will roll us. <laughs> uh, coming in at number three on our list is 100 <laughs> Thieves. We had Kobe and myself putting them third, Azale putting them fourth. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Does anyone have any final thoughts on the other, other two teams? No, that, no, no I think that was a good transition. Keep <laughs> okay, going. Yeah. You got to keep All going, right. Sean. You got to commit, Mark. I just I feel Mark. bad if Confidence. I move on and someone's like, wait, but I have one more great point. Yeah, no. Little crybabies then. You just keep, keep strolling. All right, <laughs> don't, all right. don't worry about our feelings. <laughs> Hundred Thieves, Golden Guardians, red team. Uh, now, it's, it's four of the members of Golden Guardians mm-hmm. uh, who were on the verge of pushing into a top three, top four team. Uh, they did go up against <clears> the <throat> eventual summer split champions twice. Um, and then uh, they, they took the, the core of that and they added Someday, which I think most people view as an upgrade. So that's why I think a lot of us are, are really excited for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also felt like I, I didn't think that they necessarily peaked in, in summer. Like that t- team still made a lot of mistakes. That was a team that still had issues that you could see getting ironed out with more time. So I'm super excited that the, the main four core of this is sticking together. Yeah. Okay. So caveat here. This one... Um, and the, and then the two the two below it for me were the two hardest like one spot switches uh, for for me to decide on, and what gave it a little kicker was um, the fact that uh, hundred thieves, I am giving a boost for coming in with synergy of having four golden guardians as a pack. Uh, and them all being super outspoken about really wanting to stay together, uh, to play as a team, to build on what they had kind of, you know, uh, had at an apex at the very end of last year. Um, and then I have always had just so much faith in Someday, outstanding individual player, and feel like he can he can mesh into literally any team and make that team extremely good. Um, that being said, like, I am giving them a boost for the beginning, if we were doing like, you know, both spring and summer, I might be nudging uh, TSM above them a little bit. Spoiler, that is uh, my, my next team uh, <gasps> under Hajithesia. How dare you? Um, because I am still, I want to see a little bit more information on how well this sword art experiment works out. Because mm-hmm. everybody knows that 
the travesty, the the disaster that was TSM trying to get a shot calling support previously with with uh, with Yellow Star. This is over. not the same. Mythy. It's definitely not the same. It's not even close. And so and that yeah. I, I just want to get out there to just get the elephant out because I think that that argument has been kind of erroneously used to like detract from this scenario. Sordar is a way better individual player, way better, more recent success. Coming off of world finals, Coming really good exactly. in LPL. And, and I really do have, uh, and I think a lot better shot calling too. Like even the strength that they're trying to compare to. Um, Sordar has been super outspoken. There's a lot of videos that you can look at of how, how precise he is in and talking about the way that he wants to play play the game. I think that is just what TSM need. You know, there are all the memes of the the nine person sleep last worlds. Um, <laughs> I, I don't see any team with Sordar ever having an issue like that, right? Because only he's eight be, person sleep. Yeah, he'll yeah, be he's, he's going to be yelling at them. <laughs> um, but I do think that might that's going to take that is going to take. I'm not even going to caveat with might. That is going to take longer for TSM to to reach their peak then 100 Thieves, I feel like this squad is is ready to go right off the bat. Yeah, my, my only question with, with the 100 Thieves squad, you know, I largely agree with what you're saying, is just what what is the role of Someday going to be? Is he supposed yeah. to be the, the true star, right? Like, is, is that what 100 Thieves' bet is? Is that Someday is actually the star, you know, he's actually the MVP, uh, he just didn't have the players around him and now it's all in on somebody and that's how we're going to win. Right. And, and I'm just interested to see like, is that the bet? And if they do that, is, is that going to work out? You know, is this going to be like DeMonte and closer just playing to someday, someday on carries every game, get him ahead, let him win the game because he did create a lot of great leads for himself. And yes, he was on a weaker roster, but oftentimes those didn't turn into wins 400 thieves, right? He had some really incredible individual games. And I do think that he has been, uh, you know, a fantastic import in the league. Wait, right when he came over to NA, you know, he was a top three middle or top laner, rather, you know, potentially in the world at the time. Like he was playing really, really well in the LCK. And I think he's he's brought that level to NA. Um, but he has never had the same success as some of the other imports in NA. And and generally people say, all right, well, he didn't have the players, right? And so now people kind of feel like he does have the players around him. You know, he has this solid core. Uh, I do think that, People are a little bit um, overrating the Golden Guardians core because of how playoffs went. I mean, this was a 9-9 team in spring, a 9-9 team in summer. They didn't just, like, crush through the league and, and stomp everyone, right? They, like, squeaked into playoffs, and they had a good, a good run in playoffs in summer, right? They got their first ever playoff series win in summer. Um, and, and that was impressive, and I do think that I'm excited for the future. A lot of those players, we saw the development. We saw, you know, FBI and who in particular really start to shine and be playing, you know, as one of the best bot lanes in the entire league. And if they can bring it all together and, and someday can have this kind of like role where, where he fits really well and seem like he's supposed to be the true carry and they play to him and FBI is your late game insurance. And that works out. I could see them being great. Um, but I just have, you know, a little bit of that question mark in my head of, of how is it going to look for, for someday? You know, what is the plan? And, and is he going to work as, as the true kind of carry of a team? Um, so maybe I have a little bit of uh, extra extra weight on this team as far as um, understanding more about the way that, that they are going to play and the way that all the pieces work together. Because um, I've been talking to Tony a lot, uh, Zix, in the, in the, in the offseason. Um, which yeah, might not be fair to the other to the other team. So so like <clears throat> I probably have you know because there because there's more information there. Maybe I do have a, a disproportionate like yeah, it's a little uh, a higher opinion. But 
as far as uh, like the someday question of they're always, I feel like there always has been too much and more focus and more pressure on him as like, okay, you're definitely our best player. So you gotta be like the carry, like this is how we have to win the game. I do think this takes some of that off and provides the versatility that you need with a league of legends team. Um, because you can have, you know, some, some top carry games, but you do need to have versatility in the way that you're going to play. And I think hundred thieves with this lineup does bring that as DeMonte, uh, as everybody's going to be talking about him and closer do like to play aggressively to roam around a lot to the map. And they have options on bottom and top. Now you, you just mentioned, you know, FBI and who he were outstanding and it wasn't just in playoffs for them. That was the part of golden guardians. That was great. Yeah. Uh, you know, for for the mm-hmm. entire, uh, you know, for the entire split. So I think that is still going to be really solid. Um, and I think FBI is is going to continue to to shine at that level. And then who he being re- reunited with Zix um, from their old CLG days were always like they were the reason CLG was always talked about as having all these super creative. They were the galaxy ones. brains. Uh, yeah. And then and who he was was the roaming mid laner Aurelian soul player even at worlds drawing bands from you know all these uh you know top teams around the world on it and performing super well on it um so i think that those those pieces can really come together for some super exciting strategy in addition Mm -hmm. to the individual pieces that i see with this team um whereas definitely some of the other teams i i'm just seeing the individual pieces and not as much as the of the whole picture um as i am with this team but that is definitely why I gave uh, 100 Thieves the boost here in our spring split rankings uh, to bump them up to, to number three, even and, though I do like the, the pieces on some of these other ones. And, and to be fair, you know, like, yeah, you, you've been talking to Six, you have a little more information. Yes, they were already a team for the most part with four of the same members, so you know how they're probably going to play together. But even some of the more speculative teams that are just now coming together, you can kind of like envision what it's going to be like. Like I can envision mm-hmm. what C9's play style looks like. I can envision TLs. I can envision <laughs> yeah. like a lot of these, like the teams that we have higher up. TSM, who's just underneath them, I struggle to envision more, which is part of the reason I put 100 Thieves higher on my list because mm-hmm. it's not just, oh, it's a bunch of new players. It's like players who have very different play styles as a roster, whereas someday it seems pretty flexible. Like I, mm-hmm. we've seen him on hard carry Jax games. We've seen him on Orin. He's incredible on everything. So regardless of how 100 Thieves chooses to utilize him. I don't think the struggle will be someday, though there still might be growing pains of getting him involved in the team in the Golden Guardians core. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he's going to struggle individually by any means. Yeah. I just mean more, you know, team identity. If if we're going to have you playing hard to a lane, you know, if, if he's going to be playing more of the defensive style and you only play to bot lane, that can become predictable. So you want to be able to be multifaceted and play to where it's top or bot. And I just wonder how, how they are going to have him function. You know, not that he can't fulfill these roles, um, but just in an A, he has never been on, a, yeah. on an absolute top team, right? And, and they haven't had that. So <laughs> I'm going to be interested to see if, if they actually go all for it because top lane – the meta right now in competitive is mostly all carries, right? Like if you don't want to call Nara carry, okay, then maybe it gets a little bit in the weeds, but like the top couple picks are all not tanks, right? Orin is down at like fourth most picked or something like Camille, that. Camille, Jax. And then the, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you can play Renekton, you can play Nara, you can play um, a lot of these tanks do still work. Um, but 
definitely don't have to play it. Uh, to talk a little bit about TSM, that's why I had number three. You guys had them number four, obviously, you know, very close in the rankings. You know, I can envision a play style. Whether or not it's going to come true uh, is another story. <laughs> but, like, I can tell you what I was thinking, uh, you know, when I did put TSM number three. I think, A, individually, they have some stellar players, right? I think POE uh, is going to be one of the best mid laners in the league. Again, he has been good, whether he was on optic and, and down at the bottom of the standings or, you know, back-to-back finals on FlyQuest, right? This guy has been really, really solid. I think Spica really did improve last year. I was very impressed and he was one of the, the lone TSM members that was actually getting credit for being proactive, you know, at Worlds. Uh, it was nine man sleep, not 10 for a reason. Spica was in there. So <laughs> you can't you know, put yourself to sleep. I exactly. You could. You could. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, you know, so, so I'm, I'm excited for that. There are question marks, um, but sort of, I think is going to be outstanding individually, right? How he is going to work with lost, how good that lane is going to be. That's a big question mark for me. And that's the question on, they have to answer before, you know, if this import really paid off, you know, if TSM drops $5 million on, on sword art and they just lose lane two V two every game. Well, that probably wasn't worthwhile. Even if his shot calling is great, even if they can get these other things going, but Kind of the way I'm envisioning it is Power of Evil playing the more slow defensive style that he has played for a lot of his career, scaling up. You have a super proactive top laner in Huni. You have Sword Art who loves to roam. You know, you have Spica who can be aggressive as well, who played heavily towards Broken Blade when they played together. You know, I am looking at this team as one that is going to try to play heavily through top, play through carries with Huni and Spica, use Sword Art to move around the map. You get a lead top, you go towards mid and get PoE going. Sword Art's coming towards mid and getting PoE going. And Lost is going to be more the the journeyman AD carry who's kind of more there for late game right and if things are working out you're hoping he's like a Cody son you're hoping that he's the guy who isn't necessarily crushing in lane but is is farming it up and is going to be effective in team fights and that's kind of like what I am envisioning for a TSM that is working well you know, will that come together? That's another story, right? Because uh, they do have different play styles. A lot of these guys are coming in from, from all kinds of different teams, right? It's not just like one person being plugged in like with 100 Thieves. You have Huni coming from... It's from 40 players. EG, you have Sword Art coming from the LPL. You have PUE coming from FlyQuest. You have people coming from all over. You know, Lost coming from Academy. Um, so like none of these people have actually played together on a team. You know, maybe some of them have played together a little bit, you know, here or there, scrim with each other or whatever. Um, but, you know, th- this is obviously a very different beast compared to the 100 Thieves thing. But I do think that they have some stellar individual pieces. And, and I think, honestly, for TSM, it, it kind of speaks to some of the things that like went wrong or went unexpected in the offseason that they can spend $5 million on an import, like the biggest buy they've ever had. And people aren't even sure if they're going to be top three, right? Like, because I think people were expecting it to be the double if sword art bot lane. And then a lot of people would be betting on them being like the best bot lane in the league or at least one of the very best, you know, if not the best, because double has crushed in NA for so long. With the retirement of double lift, with Bjergsen gone, you have lost in there. And, and now all of a sudden you don't know how that's going to look. So my and and my issue, I I uh, I also like all the individual pieces, like uh, pieces, like I said. But my issue wasn't that I couldn't envision a play style. My my envision is actually a little bit different from yours because I think okay. it's going to be more heavily um, around Poe in the mid lane. I had an, an additional question, like I have a, I have the same question of, of the lost one, but I still have a really big question on Huni in the yeah, top lane. I was like, that's um, the elephant in the room for me. Yeah. So I was like. You know what? I'm going through it and I'm going to rank them very high um, because I do really support the Sword Art pickup. I think they overpaid 
and and they did have to deal with you know there were all the tough stuff about taxes and uh, you know, all, all that stuff but they were in crunch time and they really needed uh, they really needed a big pickup um i do think he is going to bring that value and i think that speaker speaker by the end had really heavily invested in in ganks over farming in a very farm heavy meta um and that's always a really big thing for uh for junglers is where they decide to lie on uh the spectrum of hard farming versus getting lots of ganks off and pressure for your lanes um and by the end it felt like tsm were so pressured to try and pull out some of some of these wins that he was like really really going um extra with a lot of these ganks um so him and Sword Art, I know are going to be proactive because I've been watching Sword Art in solo queue in a lot of these um, high rated games at the at the beginning of the season. And he is just turbo roaming all the time, all over the map. I, I have a lot of the, the players are even complaining to me about how annoying it is, like uh, like having him in the game. Uh, because he's like showing up to top lane at um, just like le- level two sometimes and stuff. And they're just like, you know, you have that unfair feeling. Uh, exactly. <laughs> um, but um, so I said, like, I really have, I, I think that they, they're going to solve their issues of like the, the nine man sleep or not being proactive or not having, um, you know, direction. But my worries come in of like how they're going to be able to pull that off quickly with, like you're saying, putting all these different uh, players from all these different areas together to, to be a harmonious team. Um, and I do have the big question for, for, for loss and for Huni on the top side. Yeah, I think it's a good meta as well from what we've seen so far around the world for aggressive supports. Like we see Leonos, we see Alistair's, we see Maokai support all over the place. Um, you know, it, it doesn't feel like enchanters are still dead for the most part in the bot lane. Um, so it's a great meta if, if Sora's going to come in and be the best mm-hmm. uh, support in the league, or at least, you know, contend with core JJ, uh, that's great. But, um, you know, the Huni top lane question is still a big one for me because uh, he is so, you know, divisive in the t- for what the people think of him. Like the NA community views him as this paycheck stealer <laughs> who has conned <laughs> his way into multi-million dollar contracts time and yeah. time again. And no people one are jealous. Like, They're jealous. He's <laughs> is, is Huni the best top laner ever or is he the best agent ever? Like people don't know what it is with him. And like he... I think you know, everyone who, who is a player still holds him in high regard. Um, but there are times, and this is not a shot at players who play a lot of games in scrims, who lane against him and see how good someone is at laning and the, how, how individually tough matchups are. And they go, wow, that guy's really good. And then it doesn't translate to stage. And this is, this is a phenomenon that does happen a fair amount uh, where like, people are like, oh man, he's so good. But it's like, yeah, but he kills himself 50% of times in games. Mm-hmm. And then that, that, that ruins your game. This is something that happened with piglet towards the end of his career everyone was like piglet's so good mechanically you just see the talent when he when you play against him but then the 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 plays in game don't quite hit the way they used to when they were in their prime you know like huni was still playing aggressive when he was in on eg and dig and these other lineups he just wasn't getting the monstrous leads and and part of that was teammates definitely like he did not have the support that we've seen out of recent years but like People who have a really aggressive play style maintain that really aggressive play style towards the later stages of their career. Those risk-reward payoffs start to really start falling into the risk category, and it eventually becomes too much. Like, I have no doubt Huni is still really good, and I hope that he has the support to back him up this time. But I'm, I think the the way that people see the game doesn't just end with play style and like how you want to play laning phase, but like mid to late game. Like, is Huni going flying in while Poe's pulling back? You know, like how is law? Mm-hmm. How do they all see the game together in in team fights? 
Yeah, I, th- I think those are really good points. And, and I, I would add that I think oftentimes players, they, they hardly even watch other teams' stage games, right? Their yeah, opinions are, are largely based on, on scrims. Some players do watch the stage games, some players don't, but they're usually busy preparing or practicing or doing something for their own stage games. Um, so, you know, their opinions are based on scrims, and scrims are wildly different than stage, right? Scrims are often much more scrappy, much more kill-based uh, than the stage games. So I think that that's one thing where if you're playing against Huni and you're, and you're fighting it out and he has you know, really good laning, he's going to get leads and, and, and create advantages that he wouldn't necessarily always be able to do uh, on stage. But uh, I'm going to be really interested to see how that pans out. The other thing that we haven't touched on yet for TSM, Coach Bjergsen. Right. That's that's a really big question, too. You know, how good is he going to be as a coach? Is this going to be this massive positive force that really changes around uh, the way that TSM was playing? Or are they going to be plagued by some of the same issues that they have been for a long time? I think that's going to be really interesting. And even just figuring out like internally, you know, there's always kind of the, the, the talk about, OK, things go bad. Reggie comes in. Reggie takes over. You know, is Bjergsen going to be like the, <laughs> the autonomous source of authority? Uh, you know, is, is he basically getting the, the keys to the castle and it says, okay, Bjergsen, you do you, you figure this out. Uh, I'm going to be really interested to see how, how that kind of shakes out and, and how good of a coach he's going to be. Like Bjergsen has so much respect, I think, from all the players in this league. Uh, he has an incredible work ethic. So that is why I think he will become a good coach for sure. I don't know how he is going to start out and how things are going to work for them from the word go. Um, but I'm excited to see, because I think that could also really dictate how things go. You know, if, if he can help to, to blend these different play styles and make them cohesive, a lot of that is the job of the coach, right? And if he can do an excellent job and kind of meld these personalities and meld these play styles into one cohesive unit, uh, then TSM might be a lot better than any of us think. I do also uh, really like that, they picked up Power of Evil as the replacement for for Bjergsen, <laughs> both because of like you know the the interactions that Poe and, and Bjergsen have had over their careers, with um, stemming from the the IEM in uh, San Jose, where uh, they Unicorns were love, right? and, and then Poe was like the kryptonite for Bjergsen, but also just in the play style of the player, Poe on his team. And um, like I've talked to so many players that have played on teams with him. And like, if he's on a team, that is a mid focus team. That is a mid resource heavy team. Um, and, and I just find it right that that is you know, TSM. on TSM, which they don't want to stand for team solo mid anymore, but it is always going to stand for team solo mid in my head because I was there at the beginning. And, and that's just what I think of. And that is what I think of when I think of power of evil is like, a big carry from the mid lane, you know, lots of resources going that way. We're talking about sword art roaming speaker, uh, being gank heavy. They definitely have the resources to throw towards it, uh, and to be a, a big mid lane carry. And guess what? POE on FlyQuest surprised so many people. Everyone's always underrating FlyQuest and like, why, why does FlyQuest always surprise everyone and, and come out, uh, you know, with, with all these great results and, um, you know, get so many top twos for, for the org. Uh, a large part of it uh, was due to PoE, and and they had a pretty mid-heavy resource uh, style game as well. Mm-hmm. All right, well, but we can probably move on to the next section. It does feel like there's kind of these distinct in the power rankings. People yeah. feel like the tiers are pretty similar, mm-hmm. um, but they disagree sometimes on like where people should be placed in the tier, right? And and one like. To me, it's basically C9 and TL are the top tier, right? And then it kind of feels like you have your 100 Thieves TSM as that next tier that people are kind of looking at. And then below that, it's like EG, FlyQuest, CLG 
are kind of the tier below that. And that, that's, that's kind of where we are entering. Uh, there is some disagreement on, on exactly how these are placed, but the aggregate in the rankings uh, has EG as number five. Mark had them as six. Kobe and I had them as five. Yeah, I mean, uh, I won't push this ahead, but like the whole reason that my, we actually all, I just had fly higher, but we both had EG CLG. I just had fly actually as my fifth. Uh, but yeah, EG for me, I think they are going to be a super fun team to watch. I actually think they have a, a fair amount of skill into the lineup. And I mean, everyone talks, I, Peter Dunn is, is probably one of the most talked about coach pickups we've had in, in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's taken of his eight coaching years. I think he's take, he said he took six teams to worlds or something like that, uh, which is incredible. Maybe it was international events and splits. I forget, but I think it was worlds. Uh, you know, he's, he's coached all over the world. So like, this is like a legit, you know, I don't know if the term superstar ever applies for coach, but like, you know, this is a, one of the best people you could hope to hire and, and try to wrangle a group together that does feel like they're, they're going to be one of these teams, which is uh, going all in quite a bit because three out, at least three out of the five players here, like want to go in all the time. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, I think this is a Nick, Exciting lineup for sure. Um, I mean, just just Jazuke's back in. It's been scaring. Uh, um, adding impact is pretty interesting to me too. Because you think of all these players, and you're like, oh my god, yeah, they're gonna go in. It's gonna be so exciting. So it's scaring Jazuke, Ignar, and then you're like, oh yeah, and then definitely an impact as uh, as the top and, and bottom sides. Um, it's it's gonna be so interesting to see how how these parts actually meld together um, because you can see it as yeah, that means that impact on the on the top side, he'll be able to to withstand whatever while all this crazy business is going on with with uh, you know everybody roaming around and trying to pull off um, you know assassination plays and stuff like that. Or impact gets gets into it also on, on Team Liquid. They tried to have him split push a whole bunch of times, mm-hmm. um, and, and and maybe they actually just double down on it that way too. So I'm very interested to see what the evil geniuses come up with. To, to actually send this roster in a direction and which one's going to be more effective because they definitely had some some splatters in the last split when like Jazuke <laughs> on Kogma oh my god get that out of here uh, that was what was the other game. one it was, was so it fun. was it Kassadin or or Karma or something I think it was um, a Kassadin game I like there were several there EG games where I had to like block them out of my memory because it was just so bad. But then they'd get back to to winning and like doing well with, with other strats. But then there are just some strats that were, you just drop off a cliff. Now you're getting reported in solo queue. Yeah, the, the Cassidy <laughs> one was uh, was where he went that super offensive build. Like I think he went like into conquer Ol- yeah, or into Olaf Q, Karma. That, that and he was didn't it, yeah. start. He didn't start Doran Shield, and he C9. didn't start like you know uh, you know he, he went like he's like come at me, bro, ever. and then he gets <laughs> smashed. He's like okay, well, Cassidy power spikes at six, don't you know? Yeah, so so there there were definitely some uh, some belly flops there, but uh, Jazuke also I think you know when you, especially when you look back to spring was, was was the man behind a tremendous amount of EG's wins. Um, you know EG's roster is interesting to me because it does feel like one of the teams that was willing to spend big and trying to spend big from everything that I heard. I mean Impact is a big pickup. Um, this is a guy that has been incredibly successful in NA and and obviously internationally as well. Uh, and from what I had heard they were trying to make other big pickups also, right? They were trying to get big superstars from mid lane and trying to get, you know, all these different players and like, oh, we want Chovy or we want this or we want that. You know, they were looking for that yeah. huge splash, that perks, that sword art, that whatever uh, to complement this lineup. And they have been swinging for the fences, I think, with a lot of their roster building. 
But for whatever reason, it hasn't really come together for them in the way that it has for, for other teams. And I'm not sure if that's, you know, based on, on, on reputation of the team isn't as big as some of the ones that are already winning, you know, events in NA uh, or what. But I do have to give EG some, some credit for that because they are still trying to, you know, kind of swing for the fences and, and build a roster that can compete at the top. I'm not sure if this is it. You know, definitely has been around for a long time, has never really, you know, turned into that bona fide superstar. Um, you know, he has been solid at a lot of times. I, I do think, like, the way I would envision this team playing is, yeah, like, Ignar roaming with Sven Skaren and Suzuki and them making things happen. You know, Impact would be that more solid force in the top lane. Definitely, again, trying to be that team fight 80 carry, less playing for lane. That is how I see this team working if it works well. Because we have seen that Jizuke is going to play like Jizuke, no matter what else everyone else is doing, right? Like, he's going to fight. He's going to try to make things happen. And if you do have Ignar and Spence Garen behind him every time that happens, then, then maybe it can really work out. But um, it hadn't fully come together for EG, you know, when they were trying that last time. I think um, someone, I, was, I was discussing this with someone on Reddit, and they, they made a good point about, like, if you look at spring versus summer. Summer was, was a bit of a... A fire that just never mm -hmm. got put out. But in spring, they were one of the best teams, um, actually. And the case that they were making was Zazel had a weaker laning phase, despite him being a pretty good playmaker. And Ignar should just be an upgrade over that. Yep. Kum Kuma was a big problem for generally the entire year. And Im Impact's a big, just like, hey, you don't need to worry about that anymore in the top lane. And so in a spring you know, S environment where people are all learning their things, maybe this, this team can actually hit that peak that they were hitting last spring with a couple more upgrades. But I still feel like that's underselling the role of Bang during spring last year. Bang was that yeah, like kind of really like good. he was really good. He was this consistent late game DPS threat that like if Jazuke didn't blow up or hard carry the game, you still had this in your back pocket. I don't think Definitely can do that. We haven't seen that over his his career, and I think this a lot of the pressure on this team will be on Definitely to be the backup carry, um, despite you know all the other upgrades that has happened for this team. Uh, which which was an optimistic wave for me to look at this lineup and be like, okay, maybe I did underrate them, but I'm I'm still a little concerned about Jazuke because they did bench him. They 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 weren't happy, obviously, to, to the fact that they went for the golden glue Huni attempt. Um, so it's it's I, one of these lineups that I just I just struggle to really get on board with. I'm gonna guarantee that you're going to see a lot of. Definitely under tower and Ignar roaming and, oh, yeah. and, and PC out. Okay. Because uh, Ignar already had the highest, if not, um, yeah, it, it was the highest for every single time that I checked in on the stat. Maybe there's like a week where it, it bumped up or down or something. Um, or uh, the highest percentage of time spent out of lane as a support um, roaming the most. And, and so I, I just see that easily slotting in as yeah. as the style for this team. You were we were talking previously about what sorts of styles and strategies we see for for each of these teams. Um, I, I completely see that as uh, you know him trying to uh, just kind of weather the storm a lot of the time on bottom lane. That that's not saying that they can't go for kill lanes and stuff because that's also something um, that Ignar likes. And I know. That um, from solo queue just recently, like definitely has been playing a ton of Samira. So they could do like a bunch of like, oh, yeah, he's just under tower for this game. He's under tower for this game. Ignar's roaming and then be like, all right, we're Pantheon Samira, like killing someone or Alistar Samira or something like that. And and I do have faith that they can um, you know, pull something out like that, especially if it is not their go to and it isn't like the super frequent. So uh, I, I actually feel like even with this team having a lot of players where you put them into pretty strong boxes, like people have very defined opinions about yeah. most of these players. 
um, and how they're going to play. Even with that, I feel like they do have a lot of, of options. And especially with, uh, you know, the coaching staff that I talked about, um, I think they can get there. Yeah, it definitely has had a, had a unique champion pool before with the Heimerdinger and stuff. So maybe there's mm-hmm. there's some some wrinkles that they can throw. So it's not always just Ezreal, sit back there, or, you know, whatever the uh, safest meta option ends up being. Uh, all good to move to FlyQuest? Ready. Uh, Isaac also concurs. Yep, Isaac agrees. Uh, I, I think, so I was the one that was the highest on FlyQuest. I think this is the highest ceiling development roster that is in the league right now by a pretty significant margin. Part of that is due to the licorice. Like when you look at the 4-1 team compositions of like mm-hmm. four rookies and a veteran, most of the veterans are, you know, past their prime in a lot of ways. Licorice <laughs> is still a beast. Like just last year, he was hard stomping the entire league. Yes, it fell off like the rest of C9 at the end of, of summer, but like he is a legitimate superstar in the league as a veteran presence on the team, as well as the fact that the, the rookie-esque players that they're bringing in are all relatively... For further along in their career than some of the people below them. Like, you know, Palafox and Diamond have been playing a lot together. They also came from the C9 organization. They were they were stomping in, in Academy. Jose Diodo just had a very impressive world's performance. And Johnson was one of the lone bright spots on that Dignitas lineup. So in that world where there are still a lot of question marks, you at least have a lot of higher ceiling, I think, for for this roster. And like we were talking about, like, oh, the FlyQuest org always seems to pull it out. And people, you know, I think I forget which one of you gave credit to POE. Don't forget they did this with the Po Belter roster as well. Like just year over year now for like two, two or three years, FlyQuest has actually been quietly decent um, despite never having like a lot of superstars on the roster. So I believe in the org and the management structure there to, to get the most out of their players. Um, they seem like they're really competent. So high ceiling for me, a lot of growth potential for all the players in a stable organization. Like I, I think that's why I had them so high. I mean, I think I think better than decent, right? They made back-to-back finals last yeah, year. Yeah, I, I mean, but even the Pobelter roster was like fourth in regular season or whatever yeah. it was, you know? Yeah, but th- it feels like they've been on the up and up, right? And mm-hmm. and, and I, I agree. I think Licorice is, is outstanding. I think when you look over the last, say, like two years um, for, for NA top laners, Licorice has been the best top laner in NA, right? And there have been times where, you know, other players have maybe been outclassing him. But I do think that he has been the best in the league uh, over the last couple of years and Alfari's coming in. And of course, some days amazing has a different team impact has been great. Like there's great top laners uh, besides him. Um, but I do think that licorice is really, really strong. You know, I'm excited to see how diamond and Johnson actually end up working together. Um, if they can kind of, you know, uh, recreate or, or even eclipse some of the success that Johnson was having with Afro. Uh, I think that that bot lane could end up being quite strong. And, you know, from there, you can really start to see how, how things could look pretty good for FlyQuest. You know, you sounded pretty optimistic about them. You know, I, I'm actually pretty excited for this team as far as uh, the teams in the middle of the pack. This is the one that I'm, I think I'm probably most interested to watch and, and really see like where they're going to go because they have a lot of new players, a lot of young players, um, you know, as far as coming to the LCS. Uh, but they're also a team that I think has has a pretty big upside that could really be successful. This is the only roster that we didn't all agree on. I put them fifth. You put them sixth. Now it's time for negative negative Kobe to explain why you put them seventh. Uh, yeah. be, be the downer. I, I, I think there is uh, a bit of ageism going on with some of the, the rankings <laughs> here uh, for, for you. And again, I am excited for this roster. I also agree that of the rosters doing the, oh, let's rebuild with a, a lot of rookies. This is the best. This is, this mm-hmm. is the best, most well done one. FlyQuest got the most exciting combination. They also got one of the best veterans to lead it. 
So I think they did that well, but it is still a building roster. And you are still bringing in multiple academy players. Uh, Jose Diodo actually isn't even here yet. So he also had visa problems. So again, the spring versus summer ranking thing, I think is, uh, is, give, is causing me to put them a bit lower here now for spring. Because while I'm excited for it and I see the potential growth for this team, I actually need to witness it before I'm going to give them that bump in the rankings um, like you guys are having. And, and I that think there is. bump from seven you to guys six. Are, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Marcus, Marcus, to enemy, that might be the biggest like difference that we have in, in any yeah. of the how, of the rankings. Um, go ahead, Mark. <laughs> you how can, can you claim ageism when you're ninth, tenth, eighth, seventh, all your entire bottom of your team is all the developmental teams? You hate young people. That's what it is. <laughs> ageism is discriminating against against old people, Mark. No, it's um, any it's any age. <laughs> You can you can make fun of teenagers and stuff. Yeah, Fair enough. It's these, most commonly all these damn teenagers it, off his lawn. It, it's <laughs> most commonly used against uh, the elderly. You Boomers just don't, like under, you don't understand me, Kobe. My hip youthful ways. <laughs> I think that a lot of a lot of people are also there with um, underrating CLG right out of the gate, which is you know uh, one of the teams I put uh, above FlyQuest as far as yes. They are not ex- as exciting. Uh, these are all players that we've seen many, many times before. Um, <laughs> and yet, um, uh, they're they are not bad players. And I feel like we can pretty accurately judge the skill level here. Um, and so we have some, some good benchmarks to work by. And um, I'm super excited to see you know, how FlyQuest comes together. I think they have a very mm-hmm. high ceiling on possibilities. But I, I need to see some some proof first. Well, we have we have had so many times where we've brought up you know high caliber academy players, um, and and it just it has it has not worked out, worked on, out yeah. uh, on the LCS stage. Also, I do feel like um, people are just kind of they always mention, oh yeah, they got these guys from Cloud Nine Challenger, so they must be good because Cloud Nine Challenger players are always good. They they always work Zazel, out. Zazel, Licorice, Blabber, yeah. etc. I mean, they have they do have a good history of they being have, good a good track record, but uh, you know, different people. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no guarantees. Uh, to talk about CLG a bit, you know, CLG, I agree, is maybe being overlooked a little bit. Um, but I think I think it's partially due to like, the fact. I give you a little, but it's really only a little. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have them. Six, you have them sixth. I have them seventh. Right? It, yeah. It's a little. Um, and 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 for for me, part of it is that I feel like CLG is is one of the only teams that went to like the old method of roster building. It's like okay, in in the past, it it always felt like even if you can't compete at the top. You know, Mark kind of jokingly said earlier, all right, well, don't get relegated, right? Relegation doesn't exist anymore, but it still feels like almost like CLG's in that mindset where it's what's like the the best thing that we can scrap together, right? Instead of looking towards the future, they, they, I don't think they realistically think that they're going to be an LCS, you know, title chaser here. Like, I don't think they think they can win the league, um, but they're basically just trying to take all the known quantities that they can get and, and, do the best that they can with that, right? And that feels like more the old school uh, thinking for roster building compared to a lot of these teams now that are saying like, all right, if we're not going to win the championship this year, let's bring in a bunch of young people and try to look more towards the future, try to see if we can find, you know, that that diamond in the rough and and really 
you know, build more uh, for a couple of years down the line. You know, CLG has Turtle, one of the most experienced guys in the league. You know, Smoothie, Poe Belter, Brox, all these guys have been around forever and they're known quantities and they are solid, solid players. Finn is their their one kind of young guy that they are going to, I think, hope can develop and really improve. And maybe that's their kind of future bet um, is Finn. And CLG, honestly, in the first couple of weeks, it wouldn't surprise me if they came out of the gate and they're like, you know, top four, top three in the league for, for the first couple of weeks. Because I think that these guys have so much experience and, you know, it's a bunch of, of like players without an ego who I think are going to be able to work together, you know, very well. Moon, uh, people are, have said very positive things about him to me as a coach. You know, he's obviously a pretty recent coach, um, but I've heard a lot of good things uh, about him uh, and that he has the respect of a lot of these players. So I think they could come out of the gates pretty hot. I just don't see the ceiling of this team being incredibly high unless, you know, Finn is really, really stepping up and giving us something special. Um, or, or Turtle can truly be like this like hard carry um, because it doesn't feel like Broxa was playing at a super high level. I think Turtle was great for FlyQuest. I think he was a standout there. But I'm just kind of struggling to see like where they're supposed to really get a ton of their advantages because Smoothie hasn't been you know as good over the last couple of years. He's paired with Turtle. Brox hasn't looked as good uh, on TL. I think Poe Belter has had, had his moments, but it's been a couple of years since he has really been in the conversation of like being at the top of the league as well. Finn was ranked among the bottom of LEC top laners and is being imported here. Didn't do well at Worlds either. It just feels like there's not that one piece that you're like, this is the guy. Yeah, I think um, some about the roster building, I think that could explain why CLG did this. Not saying it's the right decision, but like I think the, their community opinion, currency, whatever you want to call it, like has been low, especially after last year. And they did not want to do another rebuilding year um, and couldn't quite get the, the top talent of the people who are balling out for millions mm-hmm. and millions of dollars, but they didn't want to go with the other rebuilding teams because the community sentiment was quite negative uh, around them. So I, I could see that as well as the fact that technically you can, I, I forgot about this and I remembered it while you were ta- saying it, but like you can still technically get removed from the league if you finish like 10th or 9th or whatever it is for like four splits in a row or something insane like that. So maybe they're actually worried about that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, That's depressing. I don't, yeah. I don't yeah, think but, they're there yet. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. Either. It's just a, a and, small. And, and you have to get like voted out and stuff too. As yeah, far as I know, it, it's it means like, like you're eligible to get removed, to get removed yeah, if you do that. Yeah. But like it, that was mostly a throwaway. But I, I agree. Like it's a lot of uh, players who they were just at Worlds, and there's like all these good things you can say about them and their 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 careers and their history and all this stuff. But um, a lot of the people who made towards will not the focal points of those teams. They were not the strengths in a lot of ways, um, and. Yeah, they're, they're probably going to work really well together, but they're, they're going to have visa issues. Broxa is, again, getting screwed over. I feel so bad for him, but it sounds like yeah. there's issues there again. They're not going to be here for yeah. the lock-in tournament tomorrow. Who knows when they, they, they end up showing here. I think Finn is also having issues, um, I believe yeah. it was. I think still, yeah, I think still G are missing both. Yeah, so like... So their lockout players, tournament is not going to go well. And um, they have COVID, apparently, according to uh, Travis. You know, like, it's just not not a great start to the split when yeah, that's this rough. is where we're saying... Hopefully it's not too bad for them. Yeah. yeah. For, for some of the things, too, I think um, with the, the older players, I think some people also need to give credit to, like, Wild Turtle, I think, had a full upward trajectory. He was the, incredible. This, ever since he got split. Uh, mm-hmm. excuse me, benched um, that split. So I, I actually think, even though everyone's like, oh yeah, it's just another one of the, the older players, um, I actually think that he had been really improving and he was, he was playing better than he's played in a very long time. 
um, like as an individual player, I legit think that that is, you know, that is a, a good pickup. Um, so like, do you it, think it'll it work is, as and, well as smoothie versus Ignar? That's my concern there. Cause I agree. I think turtle was great. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm See, definitely worried right? about it's smoothie. It's hard. It's hard. Uh, right. Because I, again, I'm, the I'm deeper we go in the rankings, the harder it's going to get. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just want to, I want to make that point that, um, you know, we've seen it proven that players that are long in their careers, reckless at worlds was playing out of his mind. I don't want that to be just like, a closed door as far as people just completely always you know writing writing off right yeah there there are uh, players that have been playing for a while that still do improve it's like Mm -hmm. yeah big agree all right we are down to the to the final tier here keep drilling down (laughs) all right we'll we'll see if we can strike oil here uh mortals dignitas golden guardians those are kind of the unanimous bottom three it feels like Uh, a lot of these teams um you know are are full rebuilding or uh, couldn't couldn't get the rosters together that they wanted. I mean, Golden Guardians had their video about you know the budget <laughs> yeah. issues, and they lost basically their whole team to hundred thieves, yeah. uh, which really sucks for them. So a lot of these teams have gone uh, with a different strategy. You know, Golden Guardians in particular. Um, you know, I don't think that they are, are looking to to really compete this year. Um, you know, they're looking more long term, but they have four you know, kind of fresh out, out, out of the, out of the gates players, uh, and then sticks a, so that to me is, is going to be pretty interesting. Um, but our, our number eight is actually immortals. Uh, uh, as we have in the just quickly on golden guardians. They have two that are, that has never happened before. Talk about fresh out of the gate. Niles and iconic just going straight from university, from collegiate in not even, not even Academy. So like, you're going freshest of the fresh. And they were yeah. like, all right. Uh, the video I thought was h- h- hilarious. Like I was, I felt bad for them, you know, because, uh, you know, obviously NBA, a lot of teams got, got funding pulled. They literally opened up that video and they're like, all right, you know, nobody wanted this. We lost all our money. <laughs> so here's what we're doing. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Like they're, they're just straight up being like, yeah, we don't have money. So this is why we're making these changes. And they were like, we got to dig super deep. We got to dig even deeper past the people that are finding the academy prospects. And we're going to collegiate prospects. So again, I am happy that we have so many of these different strategies where mm-hmm. CLG were like, all right, you know what? We're going to see if. We can have uh, players with longer careers still improving and still, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, committed to the game. And then Golden Guardians are like, you know what, we're going to try out even, uh, you know, collegiate players and see if like we can even get them and start building them up before the academy stages. So uh, I just want to see we can have so many people say like, I told you so after these like one little instance of, uh, you know, of proving points or something. And we're going to have a lot of these after the fact arguments. I can already see mm-hmm. it now. Uh, mm-hmm. Hindsight uh, 2020, but um, I don't expect this team uh, to win, uh, you know, many games at all. all right. I expect it to be very, very rough for them. Um, I know that I jumped down to the very bottom um, just because we had started the talk on. You were the on unanimous tenth, by the way. For this us. is yeah. the, the only unanimous ranking that we had was tenth. So I'm, we did I'm, it. I'm fine to hop down there for a second because I got to say I appreciate the honesty. Like it's so much better as a mm-hmm. fan to know, like. You know, we're just, going to worlds. Yeah, like don't tell me that. I know you're not. Like, what what are your honest goals? So, like, I can talk about you hitting those goals because otherwise, I'm just gonna yeah. say no, you didn't. You didn't hit your goals. Like, so I I like whenever teams are are transparent with like what they're going through and what they think they they can achieve. 
Um, and it's more sympathetic to be like, oh, that really sucks what happened to you. I hope the best for these players. And yeah, to defend straight from college pros, a lot of pros come straight from solo queue. You know, like it's not that unheard of. Um, Niles is is pretty high ranked. He's been thousand K plus challenger um, uh, LP. So like he he he's he's legitimate talent. Thousand K. Thousand K. He's been that is high. Thousand K plus million. Ten, t- ten tomatoes. Whatever, dude. Like it's he's good. Um, Where did like, they find this guy? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Well, uh, number one on the solo queue because he was got a million LP. Far. He's got a million LP. How do no one else yeah. see it? We just thought to look where no one else did. You have to scroll up. You like it? He's in a different. Why did nobody scroll up number two? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, I've worked with players who came straight out of solo queue. I worked with Bunny Fufu and stuff, you know, and like. I mean, league's a complicated game. Okay, I'm not gonna like downplay it, but like, <laughs> if you're just good, you're you're good, and you can usually make the jump. Uh, and so. There's a world where, where these these players are, are, while being a development roster, actually can make some waves early on. That's what I hope to see is not like... Mm-hmm. Because it is four younger players and Stixay, um, you know, who is is not like the licorice like we're talking about. So anyways, I, I, I think that I'm just looking to see these players have good showings and, and step up a blaze all of someone who's been around for a long time in, in the academy scene. You know, just, just make some waves. Go When you go up against perks, k- solo kill them. That make me really happy, like those kinds of things. I I would say that like for all these teams, uh, kind of in, in this bottom tier, you know, we talk about ex- uh, expectation setting. To me, what a successful season for Golden Guardians or or Dig or Mortals would be is having you know having a young player on your team show promise, like show that improvement throughout the course of the split. Mm-hmm. If you're Golden Guardians and and Niles is getting better week over week and you know having that growth and having those good individual moments that you're talking about then you can say all right well this this split we didn't have the money to compete at the top but maybe now we have a player that we can build around uh someone that we can look towards the future because if you can get some really good na talent on your team then down the line you can actually import around them and fill in the slots right and then you can start to push for a championship and that's i think what rebuilding should look like for these mm-hmm. orgs is that you should be searching for that player searching for that that na player that you want to keep and you know that is kind of what i'm hoping for for, for all these squads but uh, we'll jump back up immortals we had at number eight uh you know i had them at ninth you guys both had them at eight so so very similar for both of them uh, and dignitas but these are all going to be rosters with a lot of question marks around them you know, so, I, I think. Uh, oh. I didn't know you were going to keep going. Finish, uh, finish your thought. <laughs> I was just going to say for for immortals, you know, they they are, their kind of veteran presence is is Xerxes, right? Xerxes has has come over uh, from EU. He's been playing in in the LEC for a long time, um, but they're bringing over an OCE bot lane. They're bringing over. Uh, I'm probably going to say his name wrong. Giloto, Giloto, Giloto um, from from Origin. Uh, the the coach from there. Uh, but Destiny and Rays are going to be their bot lane. Uh, these guys ha- have won three times in the OCE. They are some of the 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 best laners, you know, in the OC uh, Rays in particular, a lot of people w- were telling me that they felt like he was on par with FBI when FBI was there. So there's some positivity there to be taken away. Um, obviously revenge game promoted up from Academy is insanity is sticking around from last year and he had some good individual performances. Um, but I think again, for immortals, you know, if, if, if Rays is starting to look like a guy who could become an FBI esque talent in NA, you've had a successful split, right? They, they're looking for these players that they can build around. Uh, for for the Rays thing, especially for me, um, I had a lot of people uh, saying Rays is better than FBI and Osh, but FBI improved so much over here. Like FBI yeah. has been here for for years now, um, and and I th- and I think that 
it's it'd be weird to say for people to be like, oh yeah, then Reyes is going to s- slot in right there um, because you know, like the, the training arcs diverged uh, like a, a while ago. And, and Reyes is super, super good and popular for a reason. But Immortals is one of the teams that got hit really hard with visa issues. Uh, and I had been hearing that uh, they had been scrimming with even four substitutes, which is oh, actually ouch. just not even your team. Um, I think that they've gotten some more of the, the players in now, so it probably won't be you know, four subs for the lock-in tournament. Um, but they, while they are having, like, some of the most visa issues, I was kind of excited when I saw uh, saw these pickups. Like, uh, Rays, I was excited for. Zerse also. I always really enjoyed watching Zerse in, in LEC. I thought he was such a creative jungler. Um, he was always in on, you know, new jungle champions, trying to trying to try um, more, more creative pathing. And, and strategies. So I was actually pretty excited to see him come over. Um, as far as, you know, one of the, the rebuilding rosters or using a lot of, uh, of newer talent, I think he's a good uh, leader and, yeah. and um, you know, more, more senior piece to have on the team, um, you know, for, for guys like Revenge and like Insanity. Um, and I, I am also excited that Insanity, after, you know, performing pretty well with Immortals um, in, his, in his rookie split, gets to continue and gets to keep his spot as a mid laner because he was one of the ones uh, when they were getting really close, like literally one mistake, one play away from winning a bunch of these yeah. LCS games. Um, and uh, I'm just glad that, you know, he's going he's gonna to get another chance. And, and to Azale's point about, like, you're looking for, for potential you know, people to build around the future. I think this is one of the development teams that actually has a lot of those options. Revenge is raw. Like when you look at the Academy power rankings of top players that, you know, like he was not that high up there compared to all the other players, but he's a two time uh, solo queue, you know, top of the ladder player. So like, he's going to be a talent that you want to see develop. Um, and so that's why I think, you know, he's probably not going to be great this split, but he can, improve a lot same with Rays. Mm-hmm. you know if he can reach that fbi level now you suddenly have potentially really strong players to build around the future if, if you can uh you know shore up whatever the weaknesses end up being if those two guys work out maybe you keep zerse and i think the lineup will be pretty easy to work with i assume for gilhoto who has a fair amount of experience uh, and you know didn't finish great with origin last split but has had third place finishes and stuff for, for the organization before i think even a couple finals appearances but i could hmm. be getting my timelines wrong yeah, the other thing I, I wanted to touch on, you know, after you talking about FBI improving here, Kobe, was was one of the things that I have heard from, um, you know, some of the the smaller region players coming over is that one of the things that they're really excited about with the LCS and getting the opportunity to come to the LCS is that, you know, if, if you're coming over from OCE or or some of the smaller LATAM teams, you know, some of these teams in the world don't have the same kind of resources that the LCS teams do. You know, oftentimes it's like one dude for like as a coach for the entire coaching staff, you know, Spawn said that that's how it was for him on, on order that like, he's basically doing it all. Sometimes they have a little bit of help from someone here or there, but oftentimes it's, it's one guy in a dream basically yeah. as the coaching staff. You compare that to like a team liquid, they probably have like 20 people on, yeah. on their staff. Um, Chefs. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, n- not even just that, right? But they have like position coaches, they have multi-weight coaches, they have multiple academy coaches, a bunch uh, of got LCS Spawn coaches over there. Speaking yeah. of which, <laughs> right? So, like, they, you know, it, it's completely different. 
Um, so you have a lot more resources, a lot more help if you are hungry. And if you use those well, you can improve. You can be uh, the FBI. You can be a, a player like that who can make the most out of all this help that you're getting uh, that is available to you and really try to improve at a rapid rate. So um, that is what I'm really interested in in seeing, especially from the guys that are coming in from other regions, is can they improve more rapidly in this environment? When you're looking at Newbie and Jose Diotto and Rays and Destiny um, and these guys that are coming in you know, from different regions especially, I'm very excited to see what their progress looks like, right? Because that is really uh, how I'm going to be kind of tracking these bottom teams. Because let's be honest, it's like even just the spending is in a different stratosphere at the top and at the bottom of our power rankings, right? Yeah. When you're looking at, at these teams um, that are dropping $5 million on a player, these rosters, these three rosters in the bottom probably don't even cost $5 million combined, right? It, it's just not in the, in the same ballpark as far as that. So you cannot judge them by the same metrics. All right, to quickly hit on Dig, because that's the last thing we didn't really uh, get into as much. Mm -hmm. uh, Azale, you have them rated the highest at a whole extra one tier <laughs> higher than me and Mark. You have eight? them up at, uh, at eight. You're crazy. Uh, How can you say they, this? <laughs> yeah, they got I mean, uh, <laughs> Fake God and Saligo from, from 100 Thieves Academy, who both technically did get subbed into the LCS at different times mm -hmm. uh, when 100 Thieves were trying to like shift around their, their import slots. It, it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot of question marks, a lot of issues with this team. Um, I, I think you know, Ford didn't have to do well. Uh, Fake God is really going to have to take a very prominent role. Uh, he has been very good in the academy. When you talk about you know revenge not stacking up as well in academy, Fake God has been really good in the academy. He was okay when he was in the LCS, especially you know when he was getting his like Jason and Aatrox and stuff. He has a couple champions that people really do have quite a bit of respect for him on. Um, that becomes more difficult as you play against uh, some of the LCS caliber players who either uh, have answers to those champions or are just going to ban them out if you're if you're too much of a, a niche player. Uh, Afro and Dart and Dardock are obviously the the two guys with a lot of experience here. Um, but you know, will, will they be able to kind of mold and, and level up these players in the same, in the same way that Afro was able to kind of play with Johnson? I don't know. Uh, Neo is pretty raw and, and, you know, I think Dardock has, um, you know, his frustrations when playing with players that aren't, you know, to the level that he is expecting. Uh, I don't think that this is going to be a, a top level team and there are going to be some players who, who don't have nearly as much experience as him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how they're able to kind of make this click and if, if they're able to make anything really happen. But again, you know, for me, it's about searching for, for the kind of the future talent um, for Dignitas. But of course they do have less unknowns um, than I would say the other two teams um, that are kind of down in this tier. I think that that's totally fair. There's a lot of players here that have a little bit more experience. Like you said, that they've already subbed in and they're going for a 3-2 approach instead of a 4-1 uh, in terms mm -hmm. of like rookies to, to veterans. So in that sense, I think you, you can make that argument that they could be uh, better out the gate or at least earlier on. Um, but they, I think the, the Dardock point and, and, you know, how committed is Afro at this point? You know, like these kinds of questions are are potential negatives as well that, yeah. that this roster faces that I don't think a Golden Guardians faces. There's always the concern about play style and how well people are going to do. But also with this, I think there's some other, uh, like how people are going to interact that, that comes up. I think uh, I've also heard that they don't even have a head coach as of uh, like 10 days ago. So I, I spoke, um, I reached out, I was talking to one of the, the guy who's, I think he's called their division coach and I don't want to like make their announcements for them, but like it's, it sounds like the structure is more, in alignment to traditional structures, even if the, the titles don't don't quite work 
the same. Okay. He's a coach. So, Just say it, Mark. Yeah. Congratulations the, to Dignitas, coach. Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy Harrison. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> he was with Golden Guardians before. So like, I'm Does, pretty sure they have a, a head coach. He's called the division good. coach, but they, they it doesn't matter what he's called as long as they have yeah. someone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I am, uh, I'm actually giving a lot of credit to Afro. I mean, you guys going over each player. Like, um, I, I think Afro was playing great and he was yeah. a huge, 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 huge reason why the Dignitas bottom lane was always talked about as the best, you know, part of that team when they were mm-hmm. way down in the dumps. Um, so, so that is the one part that I am excited for. Um, uh, I, I am, uh, excited for Afro to see if he can keep it going because I was so happy last split, uh, last year, last split when he just turned it on again he was making all these big plays once again um you know for the team and uh and doing really well i always like seeing when the players with the longer careers have these uh you know upward trajectories at the very end they still got it uh so we'll we'll see if that can continue uh let's get into our honda mvp section though who is going to be your most likely candidate for the MVP for spring 2021. Lock in your votes now before you've seen any of them play at all. Perks. perks. Boom. You're going perks. You're going perks. I'm going Core JJ, you noobs. Yeah, yeah. yeah Five million dollars buyout. Blah, 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 blah. Core JJ is still the best player. I'm going to put my money there. Also, I, I, then we have winners and losers. So either you guys, we're not all the same. Either you guys both get the I'll swap to Sword Art for fun then. I, I just think it's easier for a mid laner to win MVP than it is for support. That's that's well, the only won thing. That shit, though. Well, they, who, I know who because he's time. incredible. He's incredible, right? Um, but I but I would just say in general, <laughs> what it's, is that, Mark? It's I said easier. Who won, support won last time. Course, it's got easier for for uh, for a mid laner, I think, to really shine. Um, but you know, if we don't have any enchanters and we have all playmakers, then then supports really uh, do have a good shot at. I'm going to be excited. I think you know, Perks is coming here pretty hungry and and looking to really kind of like prove uh that he's here to win um so i'm gonna be interested to see how how he works and i I think if perks is playing at his best it's gonna be uh it's gonna be something special to watch i'm definitely excited to see it um but uh yeah i I guess that's it we're just picking our our uh our votes for the mvp uh i think they're they're all pretty good ones but that that's actually going to do it for wrapping up this episode we have to get into the check checks for the actual LCS show starting tomorrow, Friday, uh, as I'm assuming that we're going to be able to rush this dive episode out right after we finish recording it. Um, No pressure. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much to Honda once again for making this episode possible. Uh, Remember that you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, as well as we have a new YouTube channel for all things LCS youtube.com slash LCS. You can find this or that there. Uh, great shows like The Dive itself as you're wow, what a watching great show. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I will say is that we are going to have Monday as our regular release date. Right. Uh, we we are, you know, we, we released late this week because we had a lot of tech issues. Um, but uh, we are going to be on a on Monday release cadence because of that's going to be our work schedule. We're going to have, uh, you know, Wednesdays like last year are going to be days off for us. So uh, look forward to the dive Monday. Hopefully we're not going to have any more tech issues going forward. So that should be the next release date. Hope you guys love the lock in. We will see you there.